Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. It is. It's a fun holiday. It's one of those holidays where you don't just sit on, a, on the deck of the boat cooking under the sun. This is one of those holidays where you actively participate in the journey. It's more about the journey than the destination. And I know this sounds like such a cliche, but it's, it's nowhere more true than, than this type of holiday. Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the everyday inspiration and practical tips that make international travel accessible to everyone. Hi guys, welcome back to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast. We're about to start our last episode in this series about unconventional modes of transportation in travel. And I'm super excited to explore today's topic, which is... Sailing. But before we start with that, I want to remind you guys, because I haven't in a while, that I lead group trips. In fact, we just got back from hiking the Jordan Trail and seeing Petra and floating in the Dead Sea um, in Jordan, of course. And I have another trip to Patagonia, the ultimate itinerary going this fall. And there are only three spots left. So be sure to check out travelingjackie.com slash trips to stay in the loop for adventures I'm organizing, especially if you like hiking and the outdoors. And go to travelingjackie.com slash Patagonia if you want to get straight on that Patagonia itinerary. Um, And don't wait because it is going to fill up. Okay. So fun fact about today's guest, his name is Costas and he's originally from Greece, but I actually met him and his travel partner in El Chalten, Argentina, which is way deep in Patagonia where Fitzroy is, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, We'll be going there on my group trip, by the way. But we all happen to be sitting at the same table in a co- in a in a chocolate shop, uh, my favorite chocolate shop. This is the best ever chocolate shop, seriously. And uh, we struck up a conversation, and before we knew it, we were meeting up for beers and steak and sharing stories, and pretty much became immediate friends. This is what happens when you travel. And now here we are, months later, getting to come back together to talk about a subject very dear to him: sailing. So let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by biketours.com. They offer over 200 bike tours in 40 countries throughout Europe and make the selecting and booking process super simple. Plus, they're real people passionate about cycling themselves who are available to help with any questions you might have along the way. Week-long packages start at just $700 and you'll find tours for all ages, interests, and abilities from solo cycling to families and groups. Just one warning for you. Do not go to this website while you are at work. You run the risk of daydreaming about island hopping in Croatia or wine tasting along the Danube River or eating all the gelato in Italy. 
Check out biketours.com to view tours or go to travelingjackie.com slash bike tours to learn more about my personal experiences cycling with them. So, Costas. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'd like to extend an official welcome to you to the show. It's so nice to talk to you again. It's great to be here. Over a distance, but not too far away. Over, You know what? We're in the same time zone and that is kind of amazing. Yeah. A huge change from where you were a couple of months ago when well, we left you the exactly. frozen lands of Patagonia. Yeah, <laughs> where we both were. Um, yes. which I think it's kind of funny that we were both there and now we're both here. Except I'm in Italy and you're in Malta. Which is not that far from Italy, actually. So in theory, you know, we're on the same kind of you know straight line. I can almost see you from here. Yeah, almost just, just wave. Just wave. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to be here because you have uh, quite a an interesting, uh, unique way of traveling that I am super interested in sharing with my audience, my listeners today, and that is sailing. And I've had several friends who've done this over the years. I've never gone with them on these kind of group group sailing trips. The only time I've ever done it was with Busabout in Croatia, uh, which was so much fun. But I have to say it was... There wasn't even a sail on the sailboat. <laughs> it's like a motor... I was going to say slightly different priorities. <laughs> yeah. <there. laughs> it, was, it was so different. But it was still a week on a boat and I really loved it. And I really was not sure if I was going to love it. And yeah. So this type of travel, I guess, this alternative transportation... Uh, you know, as opposed to taking buses or hitchhiking or driving or anything. Really interesting. And so I just want to ask you um, to share some stories and ask you some questions about how the life of a, of a sailing traveler kind of goes. So you are currently planning a trip for this summer, right? That's right. Yeah. We're, um, we're planning on sailing the Greek islands again. Again. I'm myself from Greece, and uh, even though I, have, I don't live there, but yeah. um, I use every opportunity to go back and, uh, and, and, and sail during the summer. And um, sailing is one of those activities that is preferably done with company. I mean, there's a lot of people who are very comfortable, you know, circumnavigating the world by themselves. But um, or one um, sixteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's so much more fun doing it with friends, and it's one of those things that can actually really add a lot of value to friendship and a lot of experiences and stories. Um, so I always try to bring a bunch of people together and put mm-hmm. something together as a holiday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm in the process of, of putting one of those trips together now mm-hmm. for the end of July. So kind of the middle of the summer season in Greece. Yeah. Do you is do you do like one trip a summer or what's... what's well, it started like? off like that purely for logistical reasons. I mean, it was access to boats and, and the amount of people I knew and the ease with confidence I had, you know, the ease with which I could get boats was a little bit less. It was a little bit less easy back then when I first started. And also, there was no Facebook when I first started. Trying to organize people through some kind of group messaging platform was a bit harder. Uh, but as things have become a little bit more accessible, as is the case with all sorts of tourist activities, uh, it's become easier and easier to do this more regularly. Although at the end of the day, you, no one wants to go out with terrible weather. So um, the summer is really the time when you want to be out in the boat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we, we try to generally squeeze at least, um, you know, two or three trips um, in the summer, somewhere in the Mediterranean. Wow, that's a lot. Since, okay. Since I've relocated to Malta, it's become a lot easier to go out on weekends. 
On um, weekend. Okay. So, so you do like yeah. short short trips too and just kind of Yeah, of course yeah, you do. Like, right. You know, kind of spontaneously get a bunch yeah. of people together, load them up on a boat and go out and drop anchor on a bay for the night and have a bar weekend, you oh. know, that sort of thing. It's but, kind of um, like how those of us who live in the mountains will go out backpacking overnight and go camping. <laughs> you just like take a boat and go find some amazing tropical island and stay there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Except there's no risk of sinking on a mountain, whereas uh, you'll be surprised the oh. number of people I brought along with me. Uh, that, that is always a risk <laughs> with these guys, but <laughs> it's, um, it's fun, you know, and it's one of these activities that, um, uh, well, I've been trying to put together more and more so in a more kind of organized way, but not really try to plan too much ahead. <laughs> because that's the whole point with having a boat, you know, or having access to a boat, I should say. Um, you just get on it and, you know, as long as the weather's cooperating, you can go pretty much anywhere you like to whatever you want. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing this? This started back in 2001 or 2000, somewhere, somewhere there. So it's almost it's almost 20 years. And, I'm, you know, I come from a country that's got a very long history with, with sailing and boats in general and, right. and the sea. Did we say out loud yet that you're from Greece? I don't know if we mentioned that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So I'm from there. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, I, 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 always, I was always interested in doing something like this, but I never really got around to it. And I, I used to live in London. I was hanging out with a couple of Danish guys over there. And they were like, hey, you're from Greece. Why, how come we've never gone sailing over there? <laughs> Like, I know nothing about sailing. Because you're from like, Greece, you should automatically yeah. know about sailing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, you're from Sweden, you should be skiing or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, that, but, you know, it just hadn't occurred to me. It was one of those things that I always thought, it's one of those things that people in the know do. It's an expensive thing to do. It, mm-hmm. It's, you know, you see all this luxury or something. It's like, yeah, I'm nowhere close to doing that. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin from, um, who to ask and so on. So I, these guys have to be sailors. Then we're doing it a lot back home in Denmark. And so um, I put them in touch with a company, uh, managed to get a yacht. We didn't have to bother finding a skipper. That these guys could skip it themselves. Okay. So next thing you know, I'm a passenger on a boat and we're having the time of our lives up on the Ionian Sea, which is in the, on the, um, the western, northwestern side of Greece. Mm-hmm. Or I should say western, more or less, uh, central western side of Greece. Um, heading north up to islands like Corfu and Lefkas and those beautiful places. And just really having the time of our lives. I thought, wow, this is what it's all about. Let's, let's do this again. <laughs> so um, I used that as an excuse to, to really explore the islands. We've got around 2,500 islands in this country. And um, there's you know, no shortage of coastline. It's one of the longest coastlines in the world. And it's, there's so much going on there. A lot of varied landscapes. And mm-hmm. um, a boat is one of the best ways to see the islands. You get access to places that you'd never normally uh, come across. Yeah. And you can come and go as you'd like and... Yeah. Well, this is one of those nice things about Greece is that for, you know, better or for worse, it hasn't really got many organized marinas. So actually traveling around the Greek islands, once you've got access to the boat and you've sorted that expense out, is very, very, very cheap. And, you know, there's facilities in all of the islands that you likely to come across. And if there isn't one here, there'll be another one very close by. So you're never far away from being able to access food or, or water or all yeah. of these essentials when you're traveling. Uh, there's a lot of variety, yeah. Uh, question f- from the newbie. When you say because there aren't marinas, that once you get the boat, tra- uh, tra- sailing around Greece is very cheap. So because you pay to dock at the marinas? That's right. So if you compare, let's take Italy, for example. Mm-hmm. And and a place that I'm actually researching, uh, doing a trip at, um, which is um, 
beautiful um, archipelago of Sardinia. Mm-hmm. And also Corsica, depending about visiting. Mm. And the lovely places, both of them. But, you know, you could come across marinas there that ask for anything between 50 to 250 euros a night. Oh, and wow. That's for a relatively small boat that would carry, you know, eight people. Croatia also, you know, it's the same story there. You've got marinas that charge upwards of 200, 200 euros for an evening. And, I mean, sure enough, they provide security. They'll give you Wi-Fi, washing facilities and showers and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you've got most of what you need on the boat. Mm-hmm. You really just need a place to berth and be able to hop off and visit the town that you're visiting. Right. I like this so to like an RV that, pulling up to an RV campground or something and having to pay it's to... Exa- <laughs> it's yeah. exactly that. Yeah. It's exactly that. Except RV grounds don't really charge fortune. I mean, that's really expensive. And the problem is that all these popular places, once you get an organized marina, if it is a popular place, you'll get a lot of expensive yachts with, a, with people that have a lot of money. So they, they bump the price up. And they, they can, these people can justify charging that kind of money. I was in Italy in, uh, in a place called Tropea, which is lovely. It's... Um, up towards the region of uh, just north of Reggio Calabria. Really, really nice spot. It's, um, it's a lot of history there, castles and all sorts of things like that, which are very close to as well from where you are. And at the same time, these guys were asking, again, somewhere between 80 to 250 euros a night just to be able to dock. So the difference with Greece is that Greece doesn't really have all these organized marinas all over the place. It has some of them in some of the islands, but the vast majority of, uh, of places you'll be docking in the same harbor that little fishing boats and, and ferries and all, you know, the, the, the general, you know, harbor that the island will have. So you'll be squeezing yourself in there. Mm-hmm. The bad news there is that it is a bit chaotic, especially in the in the high season. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to drop anchor inside a harbor, which is not the easiest thing. If you've got a ton of other anchors near, you can pick something up, as we have repeatedly done uh, in the past, and then be stuck there. Um, or, you, you know, with it being very chaotic and having to maneuver inside a closed harbor, you could very well end up... Um, you know, bumping your boat into somebody else's boat or damaging it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, all the noise that's associated with being in a, in a busy harbor with all the tavernas and bars right on it. There's, there's not really much security. So you lock your boat, you go away, and you hope that no one's going to break in. I mean, the islands there are generally safe, but mm-hmm. again, there's no security, there's nothing. But at the same time, it's really, really nice. And it's also, it's also a way to really experience the island because you generally dock directly in front of all the action. Yeah. Um, so you hop up your boat and there you are. You know, you can eat food, beautiful, nice restaurants and, and, and drink in all the bars and visit all the local little shops and everything. And you don't even have to, um, to take a, two steps to see that. Yeah, it's like a front row, front row parking. <laughs> Lit, li- yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. is there to look in your direction. So <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's, um, it, it is, a, I have, it's funny you, we talk, we're talking about this because um, a lot of friends always ask me, one of the most popular islands back, back in Greece is Santorini, obviously. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, why don't we visit Santorini with a sailing boat? How come we haven't gone there? And the reality is this place, well, first of all, Santorini is all about the views from above, not from below. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, you know, having a boat isn't going to add that much to the experience. Second, it has a tiny, tiny little marina and it's busy. Like you have to go there and, you know, you could wait an entire day before you can get in gets a lot of swell from the uh, the cruise ships that, that dock near there. So it's it's not a very nice place to dock. And so you'll have the same problem in all the other very popular places where there are marinas, that it gets very busy. You'll have to get in very early. And, um, you know, it's, it might not necessarily be close to all the action either. As is the case with Mykonos, for example, another very popular island. The marina is kind of in the middle of nowhere, whereas all the action is in the in the central sort of little port town. Of course, mm-hmm. you can't access those sailing boats, but... Um, it's it's got its pluses and its minuses. It's a bit more 
you'd compare it to wild camping versus um, you know, camping in an organized spot. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have done these trips, uh, this is going to vary so much. Um, but I mean, what? how do you go about getting a boat? And do you always have someone who... Did you get your own... Are you a skipper now? Yes, I am. You are. So you can always do it. Yes. So it's it's actually a lot more straightforward, especially nowadays with the internet, um, than it used to be. And I'm, I'm bringing up the internet because I've kind of I've transitioned from from the period of, uh, you know, where the biggest luxury you had at your disposal to book anything was email. To, uh, you know, it was, it was faxes back then and phone phone calls abroad and everything to, to booking it all online and be done with it without ever meeting the person you're getting the boat from. So how do you do it? First of all, it's generally relatively straightforward in places where sailing is popular to get to be able to rent a boat okay. uh, and be able to find a boat f- fairly easily. So, okay. put, you know, in Europe, that would be Greece, um, Turkey, Croatia, um, Italy. And the prices tend to be more or less the same as well. What do you actually do to find it? Like, do you just go on Google and say sailing sailboats for rent in X location or whatever? Exactly. So you can you can you can Google it. You can go to if you happen to live in a country that has um, a, a sail tourism industry, there are a few companies that are kind of have a, a worldwide presence, much like tour operators have a worldwide presence, yeah. um, mm-hmm. or at least you know in, in several countries. So a lot of times you'd be able if you if you're lucky enough to live in one of those countries, you'd be able to pop into one of those offices. They can arrange it for you in connection mm-hmm. to the the company abroad. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you just Google it and come across you know different country um, different. Um, uh, agencies and then shop around exactly like you would when trying to rent a car. It's no different. Okay. You call them up. Um, they often have the lists published online. You ring them up and they say, hey, or you email them and say, I want a yacht for you know, that many people for, for that time period. What's it going to cost me without the extras and so on? The, the good thing, I mean, Greece has just gone through a massive financial crisis, which has brought one good thing as far as the tourism industry goes in that, and the sailing tourism industry, that there's now an abundance of yachts from owners who had bought them and intended to run them as a business, were kind of, you know, are now desperate to bring in some income through those. Hmm. So there's more yachts out there, especially for very popular destinations, than there is demand. So, so the prices have dropped sharply. Um, and the same is happening all around the world. There's now good yachts um, that are just sitting there. The seasons are, you know, three to four months long. If you try to avoid sort of the smack in the middle of the season and go towards the end, the edges of it, you know, September, or early June, you'll be able to get a lot of boats for for relatively um, little money. And yeah, you just you just you know Google around, shop around, and then most agencies will offer you the option of either chartering the boat as bare boat. So that means you get you just get the boat and you have to skipper it yourself. Did you say what was the term you used for that? It's called bare boat, as in bare, as in bare boat. Yeah, just yet. just the boat. Okay, just the boat, <laughs> yeah. Um, or you, or you, or they can supply you with a skipper. The going rate in Europe right now is around a thousand euros a week for the skipper. Okay, uh, but I mean, if you're a group of friends and you want to take a sailing trip and no one is a skipper, then you can you can rent yeah. you can rent a skipper. <laughs> you rent a guy or a girl, and yeah, yeah. this huge. You know what? I was very hesitant at the beginning when I kind of looked into this because I thought, well, you're bringing a stranger into what is effectively a box in the middle of the sea, you know, and will these people be? nice will they be a little bit awkward having another person kind of slipping just a couple of meters away from you and what sort of people are they but 
the vast majority of skippers I've met that do this professionally are amazing people. They'll only add to the fun. <laughs> and they have one huge advantage that no, you yourself won't be able to, to provide if you're, if you're just going out and skippering it yourself in unknown waters, unfamiliar waters, which is that they know the area. They know, they know all the best spots to go swimming. They know the best spots and the prevailing conditions for the weather or where it's safe to moor at night. They know the best restaurants. They, they're generally, you know, you, you, you're not just hiring a skipper, you're hiring a local tour guide, effectively. Exactly. Guy's doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds just like having a... Those, those, those are all the beauties of having a tour guide when, you, when, when I travel somewhere. I love having a guide. They're so fun most of the time and they're so knowledgeable. It, it really adds to the experience. This sounds like the same thing. It does. It doesn't. It only adds a little bit to the cost. So perhaps since I mentioned how you go about booking one, I should probably talk a little bit about pricing. Uh, since I found that it doesn't really vary all that much around the world, um, and I include even the Caribbean, you know, in relation to Europe and the prices. So you'd be looking to pay for, say, a boat that would sleep, say, between six to eight people. A ballpark figure of around... In Europe, it'd be about two and a half thousand euros for the boat itself. Okay. So something that's something in the region of, say, 40, 46 feet, something like that. Um, that would sleep between six to eight people, depending on the configuration. Uh, you'd be looking to pay about two and a half thousand euros just for the boat itself with the maximum amount of insurance you can get. Then on top of that, you've got the skipper, which is another thousand euros. So generally, you'd be looking at about you know, three and a half thousand euros as a, I'd say that's a pretty safe amount to budget for um, a yacht that can sleep from anything from, from six to 10 people. And you, you may get lucky and get a boat for, that sleeps 10 people for about three and a half thousand euros with a skipper. It's less common, I'd say, than you're looking probably at about four to four and a half. What's that in dollars? About um, three and a half thousand euros, about what, four, four thousand three hundred dollars or something? Oh, but don't that ask would, me about math. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's about some, it's something like that. So you've got about, let's say, let's say, let's just round it up to, to, down to four thousand dollars divided by eight. It's not, you know, it's about five hundred dollars for a week. Yeah, that's so cheap. That includes I mean, the skipper. That includes the skipper. That that's surprising. I mean, I know that's not all of your. That's just the boat and the skipper. Yeah, it's not your food. It's not your uh, docking. All of that. Yeah. But that's a great base. The beauty of hiring a skipper on top of everything else is the peace of mind because, and it's quite important this one, if you're in the boat by yourself, you're entirely liable for anything that happens to this boat. So if you run it aground, if you damage it while you're docking or you do anything like that, you have to pay the premium for the insurance. If you get the skipper, responsibility falls with the skipper. Mm. So you don't have to worry about any of that. And if he tears a sail, if he chips a little bit of the hull or I don't know what, you don't have to worry about this. The only, obviously, if you set the boat on fire because, you know, you cooked eggs and forgot to turn the stove off or something, that's, mm-hmm. that's another issue. But, but generally, yeah, that's, that's an added uh, bonus there. That when you get a skipper, you're actually got less of a headache of what could possibly go wrong. You're less tense throughout the trip, which is great. Mm-hmm. That would include insurance. And there's generally a deposit that you pay up front, which is refundable at the end of the trip. Then after that, your main expenses, I would say, as far as obviously flights to try and get to the place. And then you've got the food and the drinks. But the good thing with food and drinks is that you, obviously on the boat you share, or you tend to share anyway. No one's going to buy their own food and cook in turn. Yeah, right. You've got all these boats will have a fully equipped kitchen with an oven and a stove and, and a fridge and a freezer and everything. 
So you've got the possibility, you know, to, to live for an entire week without ever needing to step step on land if you if you plan ahead mm-hmm. uh, carefully. But even if you run out of food, and as we do every time, you can just hop off the boat and, uh, on a, on an island for a couple of hours, stock up, and then yeah. back, you know, off you go again. So it's you're pretty probably more important to to be able to restock on liquor. Let's be honest. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and it doesn't. The, the golden rule here is this: no matter how much you think you bought. And no matter how well prepared you think you are, you will run out within the first two days, period. <laughs> <laughs> this is one thing that has never, ever changed. It doesn't matter. People say, ah, I just care a little bit more this year. Oh, just a little bit more. Yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Never. You always run out. <laughs> it starts with a beer and then you get down to, you know, to the spirits. And then at the end, it's the old bottle the old souvenir bottle that someone bought at the airport on their way in, which no one t- knows what it tastes like. That's the only thing you've got. <laughs> you can describe for the- so this is, um, this you is know, where that's it. This is where yeah. it's also good to have the skipper so that they can move the boat in the morning when you need to. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, who wants to wake up crappy o'clock in the morning and have to plan ferrying 10 people around between islands, possibly with stormy seas and the hangover from hell? On the plus side... This is the one trip when you can literally roll off your bed and into the water. Oh. Um, so there, there's major advantages there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> that goes a long way. <laughs> it, it, ra- it, it raises the dead, literally. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. That's, so where all have you gone? What, how many, what countries have you, have you done this in with your friends? So I've sailed in, um, well, obviously in Greece, several islands, all sorts of different corners there. Um, I've sailed in Australia in the Whitsundays, um, Whitsundy oh. Islands, oh. Um, which is lovely. Oh, it sounds amazing. Photos of that place are blow my mind. They blow my yeah. mind. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely And it's it has the coolest name ever, the Whitsundays. I just want to go there to say I've been to the Whitsundays. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. No, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's relatively safe archipelago as well. And it's, um, there's, there's concerns with, you know, a lot of shallows and, um, and reefs and, um, and obviously tides. Plus, you have to be careful because there's a lot of it is marine park. So you, you, you can't, I mean, if you're on a ground there, good luck to you. Mm. But be really careful where you venture. And, um, and there's a lot of restrictions. You obviously can't just go out on the beach and have a barbecue because this is a national park and they'll they'll kill you uh, if they catch you. Uh, you know, um, there's there's also a lot of dangers in the water, such as sharks and jellyfish and other beauties, which you don't really have in the Mediterranean. There's that's one of those beautiful things about this place that you can literally stop in the middle of absolute nowhere. Yes, we have sharks, but if you see a shark in the Mediterranean, let us know. <laughs> um, you're more likely to see very playful dolphins, and they're an absolute beauty to look at. We saw one just last weekend as it goes, and just jumped right in front of us. We're over in Greece for a regatta, and it's uh, we're coming back, and it just popped out on us, said hello, and went back in. Aww. So, um, so you know, there's there's obviously you know there's advantages and disadvantages in all of these places, but you know, in in, in a place like Greece or Croatia or it, or Italy or anywhere like that, you can stop literally in the middle of nowhere, jump in the sea, come back out, and continue your journey if you got too hot, mm. which is not encouraged in, in a place like Australia. Okay. Then there's the, the I've, I'd love to go to the British Virgin Islands. I haven't done it yet. It's it's a very easy destination apparently to sail in and it's kind of a must do. I just haven't gotten around to it. Obviously sailed in Malta. God, where else? I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Did I mention Croatia? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Italy and Croatia. Uh, Have you not done the Caribbean? Yeah, the UK. Um, no, I haven't done Anything any like parts that. of the Caribbean okay. yet. And it is very high on the list. Both the Caribbean and South America as well. I know Colombia and those places are beautiful to say that. 
but uh, yeah, that that will happen. We're actually thinking of putting a trip together to the BVI's, the, the Virgin Islands, um, the British Virgin Islands, in uh, in December, which is the season to go. It's again the, the biggest problem you'll have with a sailing trip, as you've pro- you're probably starting to realize by now, is not the money. Uh, it's not the organization, because especially if you get a skipper, you literally all you have to do is turn up, mm-hmm. and as long as you're capable of buying food in a supermarket, that's pretty much all you need. One of the biggest problems is finding the people and, and aligning everyone's schedule to be able to put between six to ten people together on a boat for the same period. Yep. And then making sure that these people will all get their ass from point A to point B on time and not miss the flight. Okay. Believe me, that's easy done. We've had situations where we had to pick people up in the middle of the sea because they missed their flight. Now we're two islands away from where they arrived, um, two days away from that, that point. No. So, uh, yeah, we had to, we had to get inventive and try and get the coast guard to ferry them over on little dinghies and pick them up outside rocks in the middle of absolute nowhere. That's why they call it adventure. It is an adventure and the adventure often begins on day zero. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) before it's actually started. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's one of those. So I would say in general, it's, it's a special kind of holiday. This is not your standard, um, you know, let's all go to some beach resorts and, you know, book a hotel or an Airbnb somewhere and just um, head out and have fun at the bars. It takes a certain number of people, a certain type of people, sorry, to um, a certain type of character that <laughs> plays well with this whole scenario, which is the, the more laid back person, the person that's generally quite okay, not having any particular plan, not really caring about where they're going to wake up. And when I say where they're going to wake up, I don't mean whose room, but um, what's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> what island? Although the room is also... Which bunk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It is, you, you think that wouldn't be the case, but it is it's often a problem. <laughs> uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those uh, things where you really need to make sure that the people you bring along are very laid back. They're not fussy. They're not trying to um, one-up everyone else or be the loudest person or the, the more, you know, try to come across as, you know, try to seek too much attention. Because the, the reality is you're sharing a very, very close space with another six to ten people. So um, you only need someone to be a little bit annoying and that amplifies on a boat. Yeah. And they become mega annoying and then you end up with trouble. You can't get rid of them within a week. You had, when we were in Patagonia and I was asking you about this, you described three types of people. <laughs> Will you the, say that again? Will you describe <laughs> those three people again? <laughs> Yeah, so the, the A's, the B's, and the C's, as yeah, I say. So that's it, right. It's nothing to do with one being better than the other. It's it's all to do with the types of personalities you bring on board. And it's, I think it's very important to know this in advance, know a little bit about your people. And one thing I would never do, I know others have done it, is go out on Facebook and say, hey, everybody, who wants to go sailing? <laughs> you know, don't. I've never, ever done this, and I never will. It's You may have a lot of lovely friends that they're fantastic going out for a drink and catching up, but you should absolutely think twice about inviting them on a sailing trip because... There are some people who are, you know, the loud ones, the the soul of the party, the entertainers, the, you know, the ones that will take a funeral and entertain everyone in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are the, the, the A's, as I call them. These are the people you absolutely must have on the trip, but you cannot have too many of those on the boat because it will just descend into chaos. Uh, and oftentimes the very strong personalities, one will clash with another and they'll try to one-up each other. And, you know, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the B's, which are the people that are fun. They, they'll jump into the fun and they'll add to it and they'll bring their own little personal character. But they're also quite content with just, you know, chilling out and you know, 
going with the flow. Mm-hmm. And then there's the C's, who are the sorts of people that are generally a little bit more quiet. Um, they'll add, they'll add to the party, but but they won't on their own contribute to to you know an all-out fun trip just by themselves. And you need a bit of everything. So you need you need a few A's. You need a, a good amount of equal distribution sort of uh, B's, and and the rest can all be C's. And again, it's not about one being better than the other. Everyone has their spot on a boat, but just yeah. make sure you're not you're not trying to put. Especially if you're going in a flotilla, like if you're bringing more than one yacht uh, along, uh, you have to be careful not to put all the party animals on one boat and then all the quiet ones on the other. Because then you'll be having two very different types of holidays. You'll have one boat that sinks and then the other one without any party. Sitting there filming them. So, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and it has happened. It has happened before. And it's uh, it's always a little bit, you know, the, the trouble is that obviously going as a flotilla, you generally talk along each other. And and it's all nice and good during the day. But at night, when one boat is going absolutely crazy with the party and jumping and screaming, the, the others just want to have a nice quiet dinner and have a bit of, uh, you know, watch the sunset and look at the stars. Then you're talking about a very different type of holiday. And yet you force these two groups of people to be together. So it's uh, it's very... Uh, and it, it happens more often than you'd like it to happen. So yeah, I'm, I'm very aware of this when I try to plan my trips. It's, I, I don't always get it right. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that you kind of... It, it, it varies every year and every time. Yeah. Well, also, if you're at the mercy of of schedules and who can who can afford it, who can make it work, who can get there on time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you've also got to make sure you bring people along. The sharing types, they they don't mind chipping in, so you can all kind of share um, the food in a tavern, or you um, you know you split the fuel and you split everything. I've had situations where I've brought twenty person crews, we've all gone out and shared meals at the at the restaurant. And then I had someone come over to me and say, well, I, I didn't eat the salad. So, you know, you've just shared <laughs> food with 20 other people. You've eaten and drunk as much as you possibly could. And now you're picking how many olives you've had out of the salad so you can chip you know, and save a couple of euros. So yeah. again, mm-hmm. it's nice to be frugal. It's good, you know, it's it's all nice and good. I understand everyone's got you know, finances to look after. But whatever you think your budget's going to be, first of all, if you're organizing the trip, try to try to research that. Try to find out, okay, the fuel with a sailing trip, luckily, is not a big factor. That's also one of the bonuses of sailing, not motoring around the islands. For example, in Greece, you know, we have a lot of islands and quite big distance between them if you wish to do that. So we've had um, lengthy trips where the, the fuel cost didn't even exceed 150, 200 euros for an entire week. So that's like 20 euros each for the week. Wow, yeah. That's, that's not a lot of money. No. So the fuel is generally not a factor. And most countries have you know, more or less the same price in fuel or cheaper than, than in Europe. So you'll be okay. Food, sharing food and especially sharing the alcohol can be an issue. So make sure you you know that the people that are coming along are okay with sharing or especially if you've got people with like vegetarians or vegans or whatever and you have to cater for them on a boat that where everyone else is eating meat, that can become an issue all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. It sounds like you really need to know yourself too because say for example, like <laughs> me, for example, I I really love to drink, but I don't drink very much at all. And so put me next to somebody who can drink 10 times or more, literally, uh, uh, you know, as much as me. And, and that's quite a difference in, in cost, really, to me in the end. <laughs> especially when it comes to drinking. Something else as well that, I mean, there's a lot of people who are lovely people, absolutely lovely people, the nicest people, and then they have a few drinks and they turn into downright assholes. You just don't want to have to deal with this. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's okay. <laughs> All right. I hope I'm not downgrading your anyway. 
anyway, you can, I'm sure you can beep it later. But anyway, um, so, you know, you you just want to make sure that those who you bring along, if it's going to involve a bit of partying, which it generally does at some point on the trip, you're not going to end up with someone who's just going to be downright awkward, creepy, or just, just a really difficult person to deal with. The last thing you want is fights or people feeling uncomfortable on the boat. Yeah. That's one thing I always try to avoid. Bring the happy drunks, you know, the ones that just make it full of themselves, and then everyone else can laugh about it. We can talk about it forever. And, and I mean, God bless, we've had so many of these over the years. It's uh, it's it's so much fun. They they really add to the party, yeah. often to their, at, the, at their own expense. But, um, you know, we've forgotten people on islands. We've had someone who slept with a jellyfish biting his scrotum. Up his oh. All these, um, oh. Yeah. He went. He went uh, night swimming and complained that his his bum was hurting afterwards, and we couldn't figure out why. And in the end, we just took him back to the boat, put him to bed. Oh. Next day, he goes to the toilet, um, drops his bodies, and this jellyfish comes out. It's oh <laughs> uh, dead by that point. Harley <laughs> still carries that scar. On, he says. Um, but yeah, you know, you want these kinds of people. These are these, <laughs> these are the soul of the party. Um, just make sure you know your crew. Make sure you absolutely know who you're inviting along, and then do a little bit of research on the local costs, especially when it comes to um, uh, mooring fees. And that doesn't just include the ports. Spain, for example, is notorious for having a lot of national parks that you know are out in the middle of nowhere, like this bay. And all of a sudden, there'll be a motorboat that comes up to you and says, oh, you haven't booked for the night. Sorry, you've got to go. Or it's, you know, 60 or 80 euros to, to drop anchor in this bay. And, you know, people who don't know would take this for granted that, hey, I'm out in nature. Surely no one's going to come and request, you know, to pay. Croatia is the same. In fact, a lot of times you'll have the local mafia run boats around there and people banging on your hull about an hour before sunset, demanding uh, mooring fees that don't even exist. And um, what, do you do? what are you going to do in the He's going to start, yeah. So, I mean, look, there's always, with boating, unfortunately, you're always at the mercy of, of the facilities that you of that the are pirates? <laughs> you, unless you're planning on circumnavigating the globe or taking a holiday near Somalia or somewhere like that, you'll be fine. There's no, uh, the only pirates you'll come across are a bunch of drunken Scandinavians who probably want to board your boat and say hi. It's fine. It's no problem. Um, these are always welcome. Um no, I think any such instance like pirates, robberies, and all sorts of things like that are very, like, extremely rare to to almost non-existent in, in, in at least in the safe place. So, do you just pay off the mafia? I mean, when I say mafia, don't think of you know you're not going to get an armed escort kind of uh, bring coming over and, uh, and and demanding money. It's not doesn't work. It's just you know everyone's going to make a living around there, and they they've they've all figured out their own little ways of uh, doing it. So yes, yeah, you pay off the yeah. mafia. <laughs> You pay, you pay some good, and and if you don't, there'll be trouble. Ooh, but, um, okay. You'll you, you'll never know about this because you'll pay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And it's not always. It might be actual marine park fees and so on. But I've heard yeah. of stories where even even you know some skippers themselves they'll 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 drop anchor somewhere and say, oh yeah, there's a mooring fee here. It's like you know it's eighty euros for the night. So okay, well you don't know any better. You'll pay them the skipper some money and. You know, you've you've done your bit and you continue on with your holiday. And it turns out there's no fees whatsoever in that area. And the guy's just pocketed the, the money and gone away. So, um, you know, little things like that can happen. But what holiday doesn't involve a certain amount of, uh, you know... Mishap. <laughs> mishap of being a sucker to some, some elaborate scam. Right. Uh, but generally, generally sailing is, is, you know, you have a lot... A lot of the trip under your own control, and especially if you've got a, lo- a local skipper, you, you know, most of these guys are fantastic. They're great. They're, they'll look after you, and you'll be, you'll be more than fine. 
You make it sound so fun, really. <laughs> it is. It's a fun holiday. It's one of those holidays where you don't just sit on a, on the deck of the boat, cooking right. under the sun, um, drinking, eating yourself to sleep, and 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 you know waking up and realizing, oh shit, my my week is over. This is one of those holidays where you actively participate in the journey. It's more about the journey than the destination. And I know this sounds like such a cliche, but it's it's nowhere more true than than this type of holiday. Um, and it's also you know it has to be because sailing boats are. You know, inherently slower than um, than motorboats. You, you can't operate on a schedule such as, oh, I've really got to go to this this island by a certain time and we've got to go there. Right. Or it's the middle of the night, I don't like this place, let's move on to the next island. No, sailing boats are all about the journey. They go slower, you're enjoying what you have around you, you have the engine turned off and you just enjoy the sea, the breeze and the, the splashing water and whatever else, you know, your chit-chat. It's all about getting to know each other and you'll spend a lot, That's for me, that's the biggest reason why I'm doing, I'm still doing these trips. Yeah. I don't do anything like this um, commercially. I don't profit from what I'm doing. Um, it's purely for me and my friends. And I, in fact, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to try and keep these trips as cheap as possible. The, the guys I'm renting the boats from, I'm sure they're not too happy about me trying to bargain the price down all the time. But um, it is, it's, it's so that I can actually catch up with friends of mine from around the world um, and do it in a quality way. You get to, you get to spend a lot of quality time with your friends. Um, and this is the biggest reason why you should go on a sailing trip. One question you may ask is, well, what if I don't have six to eight friends to come along? And thankfully, especially again now with social media, there's there's um, and, and being able to organize people through, through platforms like Facebook and TripAdvisor and all these other platforms, is that you can actually now join a lot easier um, these, these holidays um, as just a, you know, a single passenger um, along with others that you've never met before. There's obviously a risk there in that you're joining a, a crew of people that you've no idea what they're going to be like. But right. generally, unless you realize that this trip has a specific purpose, and there are those kinds of trips, you know, there's, I'm sure there's anything from sex tourism to booze cruises to you name it out there. But unless you're going for something that you'll, you'll know as, you, as the trip is getting prepared, you'll know what you what sort of holiday you're getting into. There's a lot of companies out there that organize trips that are geared towards the single traveler. Or they don't oblige you to fill the boat. They'll just say, look, we've got these boats going out on these dates. If you're happy to come along, then pay and we'll, don't worry about filling the boat. We'll take care of that. Loads of these companies out there. So you, you'll be able to do a trip like that absolutely without any problem whatsoever. The Witsand is a classic example where it's pretty much the de facto way of traveling. So you, you turn up, pay and you join a big maxi yacht hmm. and you're out with, with a bunch of unknowns. So you could like, for example, could you show up to Croatia and maybe hop on a boat? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Same way that you can show up in, in, in Punta Arenas or other places and go to Antarctica on a, on a research vessel where you've met no one else before and it's kind of a cruise. You, you definitely can as well. The one thing that you need to research beforehand is what this trip gives you. Is it is it an actual sailing holiday or is it a holiday on a boat that just moves from point A to point B without ever raising a sail? And do you care? <laughs> right. And do you care? That's important. Yeah. I mean, if all you want to do is be on a boat and j- jump off into the water, then you may be okay with uh, with an ordinary boat. And those might even be cheaper. I mean, for me, a sailing holiday is a sailing holiday. It has to involve a certain amount of sailing every day. It has to be on an actual boat that sails. Yeah. You know, and it has to be, you know, it has to fit that kind of traditional sailing but yes, absolutely. So, so it is entirely possible to travel um, as a single person or as a couple. You'll have to share in most cases. So you'll probably have to share a bed. Sorry, yeah, a bed, even a double bed uh, in a cabin uh, with someone else. But I think oh, nearly really? everyone organized. Yes. So a bed. Wait, what? 
Really? Yep, 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 yep. So I should say this now. Sailing boats are not, you know, hotels. They they have they are what they are. In fact, the vast majority of sailing boats that you'll find out there that you can charter are the same exact sailing boats that you'd buy if you were buying a family boat that you just want to have for you and your family. So um, they'll have cabins, which usually have um, more often double beds. So there'll be a, a wide mattress that accommodates two people. Some cabins and bigger boats will have three beds where one it will be a double bed. So, sorry, three, they'll, they'll be able to accommodate three, three people in a cabin where two people sleep on the double bed and then one above them in a bunk bed, staring down on them. And then... In some of the boats, you'll have a bunk bed arrangement, yeah. which is more preferable for some, for some. Yeah, that's what mine was when I did it. it was like tiny, when I organized my tiny bunk course, bed. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these these are preferable, but the vast majority of, of sailing boats that are other for charters are of the double uh, and triple uh, bed variety. So close quarters. Yeah, definitely. And you get to know the people very, very well. There's zero privacy in the boats. Everyone knows when you go to the toilet. Everyone knows when you've had a bit of fun with another member of the crew. Um, there's there's absolutely no privacy whatsoever. Just mm-hmm. prepare to, to be <laughs> out there. You know, the, the facilities inside the boat generally are, you know, you'll have a kitchen, you'll have at least a couple of hot water showers and toilets. And, and you know, in the bigger boats, you might have a shower and a, uh, uh, and a toilet in every single cabin. But space is limited. Space is definitely limited. You know, yeah. Don't go there expecting, you know, don't drag some massive suitcase on the boat. Everyone will hate you because there will be no place to put it. Great <laughs> uh, essentials, you know. My listeners know better than that, right, guys? <laughs> I'm sure you're an absolute expert at that. There's no question. You can probably get by with a you know, a little, little tiny box. But um, <laughs> Yeah, all you really need on a sailing trip, all you need is a swimsuit. We've had a girl bring um, hair straighteners on a boat once. Um, we've had someone else bring um, a hairdryer and uh, an iron. Mm. So you'll be surprised at what people have carried on the boat before. And you know, I'm, mm. you've seen me travel. I, I tend to carry more gadgets than anyone would like to carry. But at least these ones you kind of utilize in a more meaningful way than the hairdryer. The one thing you have to remember about the sailing trip, in a warm country, emphasize is that most of the time, and the whole purpose of this, is that you're close to the water. So you'll be jumping on and off this boat, or hopefully you'll be jumping on and off this boat, very, very frequently. So really what you want is your swimming trunks, or your bikinis, or whatever you want to call them, and your um, uh, you know, your light, lightweight clothes for the evening, um, which shouldn't really be too heavy or too complicated either. Dresses are great for that, for yes. girls. Yes. Dresses, you can exactly. throw them right over a swimsuit. They're super exactly. awesome for sailboats. <laughs> Yeah. Like the whole island kind of culture around there operates around that principle. No one's going to be wandering around in, uh, you know, um, posh jeans. Um, <laughs> oh my God, no, you'd be dying, especially in Greece. But yeah. even most of Europe, no, no way. So come prepared, you know, bring a fleece maybe just in case it gets a bit nippy at night or, or, a, or a shell jacket or something. But generally, you know, you need very few clothes. You'll find that you keep recycling them because you can't be bothered going down and Well, definitely. That's what I say all the time. And on these hiking trips that I do, you end up wearing the same clothes every day. And it's so true. And no one cares. No one cares. Plus, plus it's not just you in the cabin. It's going to be another person. So if you both start opening your bag or suitcases or whatever and start taking things out, it's going to turn into a royal mess there. (laughs) Yeah. And sailing boats tend to kind of list towards either one side. So as you're sailing, the boat will be... um, (laughs) We'll be throwing things everywhere. So you'll come back and you'll find your underwear in someone else's suitcase for all the wrong reasons. Uh, and yeah, just just don't. Yeah. Like travel very lightweight. And try to enjoy yourself. Don't be too concerned about what you're wearing. It's, it's fine. 
it's uh, it's one of those trips that's very different. It's one of those holidays that's very very different um, to traditional uh, beach holiday or traditional warm weather holiday. Yeah, it sounds so fun though. I can see why it would be addict addicting. I mean, as long as you know you enjoy yourself, like. You know what? The the best part about this is that you wake up in a different place every single day. You've got a constant change of scenery. And actually, speaking about the cost, you know, on a, on, a, on, a, on an average sailing holiday in Greece, you'd be visiting between four to seven islands if you really want to do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe seven is too much, but like, you know, between four to six islands easily. Going between these islands normally, just booking hotels in every single one place, buying the ferry tickets between them, will easily run you over, you know, could easily run to twice that expense. So it's actually a cheap way of getting around and seeing the islands. And um, you could spend an entire week on the same one island and never see the same place twice. So there's a lot to see out there. You can keep, you know, we've been going back to the same spots. As a rule of thumb, I try to get back to the same place every four years and, and just rotate to kind of keep a little, bit, a little bit of variety. And I've been doing this now for almost 20 years and we still, we still come across new places and we're still impressed by new, new spots mm-hmm. we discover, new things we see. So, mm-hmm. and that applies worldwide. I mean, you know, I'm, now I'm living in Malta. Malta is a bit of a different story because for anyone who knows where this place is, it's a tiny speck of a rock in the middle of the sea. Uh, there aren't really that many places. Once you've done it once or twice on a boat, um, you more or less know exactly where you're going. But, um, well, the, the Greek coastline is, is enormous. Um, Croatia, again, same. Um, Turkey has a very long coastline. Um, never been to the Virgin Islands, but I'm sure it's the same there. You have so much choice and, and so many safe safe harbors and uh, natural harbors where you can drop anchor in the middle of the night and sleep under the stars. And that's the other thing. It, depending on where you go, obviously the geography changes and the, the, the distribution of towns and villages across islands changes. But um, again, I'm going to use the example of Greece. You have the luxury of doing one in, one out. So one day, visit the town, go out and, and have um, have a few drinks out in, in town and to the Savannah, and then the next day go out to the middle of absolute nowhere on a deserted island. It's you and uh, you know some goats if you're lucky, or no one. <laughs> and and you know you got the whole island to yourself. You can have a barbecue and and really enjoy yourself, and, and there'll be no one else around you for miles. So you have you have yeah. this contrast that you can squeeze within a week very easily. I think I'm gonna have to try this one day. For real. <laughs> it would be an absolute pleasure. I'll be very careful where I put you because a, a few of my friends tend to like a drink. Um, but, <laughs> but I know. But you're going to try the more civilized of the lot um, and put you together with them and, and, and make sure you survive it. It's going to be fine. Uh, There's one question cool. that people may have, which is, and I think you should try and think about it a little bit, but not too much. Uh, and I get this question often, which is, okay, what about seasickness? You know, yeah, is, of it, is it going to be a factor? And it's a major question mark in people's heads. And I can tell you now, there's nothing worse than getting seasick on, on a holiday, which is all about boating. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to run. You have to yeah. wait until you get there. And you're stuck. That's You're stuck with this for a week. And if you're not able to manage, you know, I've had people come off the boat in the past uh, and, and just continue their holiday on, on land or just stay on one island. Now, these were extreme cases. I know there were extreme cases and I don't tend to kind of... Uh, Think of it as, as a real issue. Yes, you might get seasick on the odd day where the sea was a little bit choppy. The skippers, and if you are a skipper yourself, you should know this, will not generally venture out if the sea is either dangerous or if it's uncomfortable. There's no fun in going out and, and everyone throwing up. That's not a yeah. fun trip in anyone's book. So if you see that the weather is turning bad, you just stay in the harbor and you're fine. Obviously, you've, you've got to progress in your journey. You've got to go from point A to point B so you can get back to your, to your origin. 
and return the boat. So eventually you might have to expose yourself to, to bad weather or uncomfortable weather, I should say. Mm-hmm. But generally, you wouldn't go sailing in the Caribbean during hurricane season. Right. And the same applies everywhere else. You, you wouldn't want to be visiting Italy in the middle of February um, yeah. to have a nice day at the, uh, the Sicilian coast. So, you know, you'll try and pick the safe days and you'll try to minimize exposure to the elements um, to the point where it would make the passengers uncomfortable. But you can and maybe will get seasick one day on the boat. And it's okay. It's fine. The journeys, the legs between the different islands shouldn't be too long. You know, one or two hours, you'll mm-hmm. survive. There are loads and loads of tricks that work to varying degrees of different people on, on how to avoid becoming seasick. One of those is to eat loads of sweets before you start. The other one is not to go out with a, with a very full stomach, but not to go out with an empty one either. Eat, eat an hour or so before you go sailing or possibly a little, little longer. Um, there's all these bracelets. There's like, um, there's, um, I've bands. heard the one be sea bands. Yes, there's the stickers. There's um, uh, prayers, I'm sure. There's, a, <laughs> there's, um, there's, a, there's other, another one which is um, sticking a, an earplug into one of your ears only and then leaving the other one open. Huh. Um, apparently that works. I personally have only gotten seasick once in my life before, uh, and that was very recently because I absolutely stuffed myself with Greek food and then went out hard sailing. <laughs> Which might and happen. Was, and it might happen, and the food is too tempting. But uh, yeah, try to keep it civilized until the evening when you're safe in the marina. Um, there's pills, there's Dramamine, you know, which tends to work. There's, there's you know, vertigo pills that apparently do. Look, you'll never know unless you try. Like with every other holiday that involves nature, you have to take it, uh, you know, a bit of a challenge. And if this is the only challenge you face on the trip, so be it. You know, it's there's far worse things that can happen. So just be, you'll be. <laughs> That's really good advice, though. Just suck it up and try it because you're not going to know how it's going to end up for you unless you. And more often than not, we tend to focus on the worst. I mean, I'm sure if you if you look on YouTube, you know, <laughs> you probably find some absolute horrors. But generally, don't you'll be fine. don't look that up on YouTube. <laughs> it's a no, terrible idea. You won't wake up with a terrible <laughs> hangover, which will be all entirely your fault yeah. um, than anything else, really. And then you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. Yay. Well, cool. This has been so, so good. I feel like you've given us so much information and answered so many questions. And I tell you what, I bet there's going to be a lot of people out there really wishing they could go sailing right now because... It's always a pleasure to talk about it. And it's always a pleasure yeah. seeing more and more people out at sea. You know, it used yeah. to be that you'd see the, the either the families or the older people who've retired and have taken boats out. It's starting to become so that you start seeing more and more young people out there. And, mm. um, and, and also people that that are on budget can still can still get away with it, do it, which is there's no excuse. It's one of the cheapest and nicest holidays you can do, actually. Yeah. Think about so, uh, it's God, amazing. Yeah, hopefully we'll have you on board as well. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate all of this. Stories, knowledge, all of that. Super so lovely to talk to you. And uh, and see you out there at sea. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> it's not just the mountains. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much. And um, have fun on your on your next adventure this summer, the one that you have coming up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope we don't yeah. lose anyone. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> So Costas and I recorded this interview a couple months ago. I was in Germany at the time getting ready to go to Jordan, but now it's summer in the States and that sailing trip is sounding even more appealing. I think that one of these days I'm really going to have to go on a proper sailing trip myself and 
see just how good it really is. Um, and I wonder, have you done a sailing trip before? Um, please leave a comment on the show notes page and tell us what you think of it. Or if you have any more tips to add, um, you can find the show notes page at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 93. Once again, shout out to our sponsor, biketours.com. Their tour advisors are ready to help with any questions you may have as you explore over 200 European bike tours that they offer. I've done two cycling tours through them myself so far. The first bike tours I've ever done, ever. And I can now say confidently that cycle touring is such an incredible way to travel, especially if you like being active. Check out biketours.com to view tours or go to travelingjackie.com slash bike tours to learn more about my personal experiences cycling with them. Thanks again to Costas for sharing with us this super helpful information about how to plan a sailing trip. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in today and I'll see you guys next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.